2: Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. I'm Samantha Mashburn. And I'm Jill Huffman. And today we're sitting down with someone who hails from the Lone Star State. She's a creative director in the music industry, stylist, writer, and founder of Daisy Palomino Vintage. We are absolutely delighted to welcome Beth Brinker to the show. Hi!
1: Hello! Thanks for having me!
2: I'm so excited! Yes, thanks for fuddling through all of the technical stuff we had this morning. You have a big storm rolling in you are rocking, ladies. We are all remote today. Jill is not in the office with me.
1: I'm not staying away for a little bit.
2: (laughs) My toddler got me the most thoughtful thing for Mother's Day, the stomach flu. So nobody is leaving or entering my house for the next couple of days. I mean,
1: what says love like the stomach flu?
2: Cooties. I mean, I appreciate it. He also told me when I walked into the living this morning, no mom, dad. And so then I just went back to the basement.
1: Oh see, so he knew it's Mother's Day he needs to leave you alone. I did. Yeah, my husband
0: like yeah. you have time off? Like go, you know, he he's got this.
2: Yeah. I told my husband goes, What do you want for Mother's Day? And I said to not be acknowledged as a mother at all on Mother's <laughs> Day. Yeah. I wanna do like dads do Father's Day. That. But for I wanna go baby thrifting, obviously not today. I wanna go antiquing. I wanna hit some shops. I wanna nap
0: yeah it sounds like my birthday
2: yeah <laughs> essentially that's what's massage, what we're after an mm-hmm.
0: antique mall, mm-hmm. and uh eventually like a uh, a cocktail and maybe some cacio e pepe yeah uh-huh.
2: yeah uh uh-huh. yeah. uh-huh. that's One you for me
0: uh-huh. yep. Mm-hmm. yep cool
2: yeah i want to end the day with cocktails and pasta any day but specifically mother's day or birthday specifically so yes. I, we're so excited to have you today. Um, and thank you so much for agreeing to sit down with us and walk us through your collecting and pick and journey because we're fascinated by it. And I don't think we've had somebody that deals in the stuff that you deal in. So we're excited oh. to get into that with you. But I was, you know, I send a pre-show questionnaire out to every guest that we're going to have on the show and reading through your like family history, your growing up life, all that stuff, I was just like jaw dropped. I was like, this girl's got it all.
0: Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely, um, it's it's so fun for me to take a step back. I can really look and see all these little threads that connect back to me as a kid and all the weird stuff I was into or or even like the solitude that I was very into. I'd go into my closet and write or whatever, <laughs> um, that very much translated to being an adult who, who liked to live alone or, um, you know, go right. shopping by myself and thrifting by myself and still very much into the things that I grew up um, loving and now find a really, you know, cool therapy and, and, the thrifting, and, and probably because it makes me think about my mom and, mm-hmm. and what we were growing up on weekends, and it's very ingrained. So um, people are like, "Why well, you're Why you're so good at finding stuff? How are you so good at it?" It's because I've been doing it since I was eight, yeah. younger. So you know, it's like I'm a Harvard grad. Of- <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've yes. got it down. So, do you have any siblings, Beth? I do. I have two older brothers, so okay. I'm the baby and the girl
2: wow, we are the same person. Yeah. So I have three (laughs) brothers. I have two older brothers, one younger brother. He came along when I was 15, but I am the only girl, only granddaughter. And so I also have been thrifting as soon as I was old enough to keep my hands in my pockets. (laughs) Yes. to go do all of that. Cause that was, and I wasn't until, was this the same for you? When I got older, I thought everybody did that. I thought everybody went to thrift stores. I thought everybody went to yard sales. I thought that was just normal.
0: Yeah. I feel like I, we did it because it's what we were sort of into, but very much did it out of necessity because my mom was a single mom and we were you know, not, we did not have money. So mm-hmm. this was the way that we got things that we needed, yep. but she made it so fun. And I, I never, ever, ever felt like I didn't have something that the other kids had ever because I just, I would find the cool stuff. And I don't think I even knew what vintage was. I just knew it was a good day if I found a George Strait t-shirt <laughs> <You know? laughs> or I was always very drawn to certain patterns, especially as I can remember my style sort of taking shape and um, college where I was very drawn to to fabrics and patterns from the 70s and and all of that, which for me with my mom, it was also an education because she was born in the 40s, grew up in the 50s, high wow. school, college, 60s, married, 70s kids 80s raising us in the 90s. So it's like she has had very significant life moments through every single decade. Right. And he also grew up when the town that I grew up in was the prairie. There wasn't anything there. Wow. And so she did grow up in the country. It just built up around her and she's like, I gotta get out of here. Um <laughs> but so yeah Pasadena, Texas was all prairie and that's where she grew up and we ended up um we went to the same elementary school that she Went to the first day it opened and she later worked there when I was, when we were kind of going through and then um, went to the same high school. Wow.
1: That's
2: awesome. Which is crazy
0: to think about.
2: It is wild to think about. And I I was just sitting here thinking of the similarities and the appreciations we both have for our moms, because my mom was also a single mom raising us and doing, and we shopped out of necessity. And I never once knew growing up that we were quote unquote like poor or like we didn't have... And it was just like my mom would hand us like five dollars and she's like, Go crazy, go get whatever. And it was that was really the same thing is where I started to form all of my style was around thrift store clothing. And I used to buy like yeah. old Boy Scout t shirts or old like little kid like comic book character shirts. Yes. And that was before it was like the thing to do to go to the thrift store. <laughs> At that time it was like me running around and then just old people everywhere.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I would go and I would go sometimes with my mom and then my nieghbor, and she. Um, it was just kind of what we did. Mm-hmm. It's very funny. So she passed away last year. It's not funny. She passed away last year, but I ended up with her KitchenAid mixer. And my mom, when I was in Texas recently, gave it to me. It's this really cool blue color. Oh wow! I got a KitchenAid. Didn't even have to get married. Like, <laughs> um, so fun. She's legit. And so I flip it to the bottom and I see. In the little crayon marker, $20. She oh. got it, again, got it at the Alamo thrift store. And I was like, Oh Mima. It was meant to be. in <laughs> oh. oh <that's> awesome. <laughs> it had on it in a price. <laughs> Still written because that was a thing, is put everything have your name on it, you know, under underneath it. If right. she was gonna yes. give it to you. Wow. So anyway, I said that to and She goes, Really? I said, yeah. She goes, oh, that's so interesting because Mima used to be a nanny for very wealthy families. And I think that she would use a kitchen aid at their house. And eventually she was like, I'm going to get me one of those. She's like, so, I need to have one. Yep.
2: Well, and like well, to Meemaw. go back to your mama, like she did, yeah, have all of those decades to reference, like to have somebody to reference that stuff with. Because she's like a living encyclopedia of the world changing.
0: Oh, and incredible. And in a way that, I mean, we really... 're not gonna have that like she's like the last of this this generation who had an outhouse you know mm-hmm. and, and she was older she was almost 40 when she had me and so how lucky am I got Sam who was older and lived through all of these different decades yeah in such a style of yeah. way
2: <laughs> oh man she's and, fiercely styled
0: <laughs> and she also will tell you now she's like I I made that, or I remember I got that at this store for, on the clearance rack for six, you know, all these things. She looked like, first of all, she looked like a supermodel and was very unassuming. She probably had no idea mm-hmm. that she looked like this Texas bombshell. And then her style was perfection. I wish that I had any item that she had, um, <laughs> in my closet. What it is it? Just-
2: does she ever comment on how she's like, I never thought that that would come back. I never thought that this would be collectible. Does she comment on any of the stuff that you sell now?
0: Oh yeah. so she's like, well, oh, well I had that <laughs> you know or um, and she's like, oh, I didn't like that fabric. it was itchy or you know, oh yeah, I had those boots. you know I mean it's definitely she it's very funny because she, her memory for the past is spotless like she can remember the most thoughtful details about an outfit, about a day, like it is incredible. So she, I've been talking a lot with her recently and, um, just research, you know, and, and kind of documenting her life and all the things she knows about, because it's, it's a deep dive. She is such a resource mm-hmm. and she's mine. She's my mama, And I get to talk to her and learn all of this cool stuff. And it's like, you know, people could put a gorgeous photo of Marilyn Monroe on the wall, but why would I do that right. when my mom is like, yeah, she's 6, 12, you know, so exactly. I'm going I'm to be getting some really cool photos of her blown up to have uh, uh. In this room that I'm going to redo. So I'm I'm excited about that. But she, yeah, she just had no idea that she was all of that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and she, I think she definitely uh, was... Um, quite sought after, you know, like all the little preacher boys wanted to marry her. Um, But, you know, she was very, she was just a sweetie, you know, and had a a really big heart and wanted to be a mama. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's what she ended up getting to do.
2: I think that, I think the the people like that, that don't realize how great they are, are like just gold on earth. They're really the best people because they're so like they're like warm, sunshiny people and they share all this knowledge with you and they share their history with you. And I always encourage people, especially since starting this show, it started with what you were saying, Beth, of listening to older generations talk and going, this is, to put it frankly, this is dying. This is, these stories aren't being shared. Nobody's listening. Their kids aren't listening. Cause I'm in an antique group with, um, It's like 22 women and all of them are at least 50 years older than me. And I was listening to them tell these stories of them growing up and like homesteading in the area and doing this thing and doing that thing that I was like, somebody has got to capture it. Somebody has to record this.
0: Absolutely. And I'm, I'm definitely, I'm always taking notes and you know, I'm a writer as well. So these stories I'm like, Oh, baby girl, you just told me something that's going to end up in a novel. (laughs) You are a character that I, um, it would have taken me years to dream up someone like you, you know what I mean? Just even talking with my mom's best friend and like everyone is, is um, just such a resource. If you just sit down and shut up and listen um, or interview them, which is my background is journalism. So I'm always like, and then what did you think of, you know, like, I am like, this is a moment we're having it Uh and I start asking questions and then you know, that doesn't happen a lot, especially with these older folks. Um, And so they love to tell you their story. Yes. It's so fun. I I definitely am guilty of that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I um, am an interviewer background by trade just by doing hair for a living (laughs) and like learning how to ask people questions to get answers. And now I see myself because of this, I go to different places and I'll go, so what's the history behind this? Or do you know where this came from? Or what can you tell me about that? And one of the favorite questions I ever asked my mom was, you know, cause I think we forget sometimes too, that our moms were, or our parents or our grandparents were people before they were our like caregivers and parents. Yeah. So I, we were one time, my mom and I were gardening and I said, mom, if you were getting ready to go out on a Friday, what were you drinking and what were you listening to? And my mom stopped and she rests her hands on the shovel and it was the best story. And it was so surprising. She goes, I was probably drinking whiskey straight up getting ready. And she said, we were probably listening to like CCR or like seventies rock. And I looked at my mom and I was like, who are you?
0: So cool.
2: Who are you? So yeah. Ask your parents who they were before they had to be a parent. Not had to be. That sounds dramatic.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, kind of had to. (laughs)
0: Yeah. It's so fun to ask. And that's something that um, we did a lot of in this past month was I would just kind of prompt her with questions or we'd see a photo and then she would just draw up that memory. Like it was in black and white and just tell me all about it. Um, So very grateful for that time. Yeah. This this is the time when you have to, um, you know, really attention to that stuff and be mindful that everything is so fleeting and we we don't have the time to waste not listening and asking questions, you know?
2: Yeah. Ask all, yeah. Ask all the hard questions and all the stuff you want to know about now. Yeah. 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 It's gone in a wisp. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to talk about your mom too. Like, did she, what was your mom and your mima collecting growing up? Like, what was your first like kind of influential collections that you were seeing?
0: I remember, um, very early on learning about Fiesta wear, um, pottery. I have the collection that was given to my mima for her wedding it's bright orange it's amazing nice. and certain has certain pieces and stuff to go along with it but that was like i remember the first time i'd be like flip it over look at the bottom mm-hmm. you know i knew that it was always something that i saw around at nemalls and um it was definitely that and on a weird note nemal liked porcelain dolls <laughs> and and i never they never all really did mm-hmm. um, I know. And I never latched onto that. Actually, I did have porcelain dolls when I was a little girl, because there's a video of me and my mom, and I'm like telling all the names <laughs> of one of which I had named Baby Nemo. <laughs> 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 little tiny doll with curly Q hair. And I was like, well, that's Baby Nemo. <laughs> and in the video, I was like, yep, that's Baby Nemo. Um, just like, oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> So, yeah, I guess I did. I I guess I did collect
2: dolls. <laughs> it was like Shit. one of those you just like I'm gonna beat that yeah. out of my memory. I also yeah, had porcelain I, dolls on shelves oh, like I, a century.
0: Oh yeah. Um. Wow. Away yeah. from I, where I, they could
2: gaze at me, though.
0: Yeah. It's you like I, it was full on. It, they were cute, though. It was like you know, in my little childhood, little baby room. Um, seeing little me talking about those dolls is like, oh, look at her. Um, but. Yeah. And then I later remember my mom would acquire, it was the 50th anniversary for Wizard of Oz. And I would, we would collect all of that stuff when it came out and sort of just acquire a lot of Wizard of Oz stuff, which I loved. I was Dorothy multiple years <laughs> for Halloween.
2: Oh, I love, I love childhood collections because they're whimsical like that. They're just like, I'm just going to have this and I'm just going to have that. And I'm just going to keep, I had Ann Getty's dolls, unfortunately. That was my and I found them in a box, and I was like, I have to do something with these. Like, yeah. I
0: mean, that's like Beanie Babies, right? You're like, yeah. wow, we, we went for the Beanie Baby thing
2: uh-huh. too. I still there was an estate sale I went to. You. Yeah.
0: you would go to the Hallmark stores trying to find these stupid little glasses yes. or whatever they I were. Know.
1: My mom would drag me along, and I'd be like, we don't need another stuffed animal, mom. Like, let's just go. She's like, no, this is Princess Diana bear. <laughs>
0: Yeah, in the little box, box. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah like and they'd only have so many at the store but you didn't know how many
0: oh yeah you just had to go oh um, yeah uh, yeah I don't remember I'm trying to remember other collections I don't remember oh let me think about it with mom I'm not sure
2: I don't remember what? a lot from Sorry. when I was a kid either and I think it's just because I wasn't cognizant of collecting at the time outside of my grandmother's house. Like my grandmother's house is a antique store basically. So it was like pick a corner and stare at it for a little while and you'll find something. And I think my, I think it skipped a generation with my mom and she was like, it's too much shit. I, I can't do that. So my mom's very minimalist and she just has like antique and vintage tea tins and then some yeah. other stuff. And that's about it. And then my house. I've just repeated the cycle.
0: <laughs> yes, I have gotten. I think this it helps that I've figured out a way to let things go and and sell them, find them and sell them, and kind of turn that into a thing. Um, where for a long time when I was younger, I remember this feeling of like, no, I, I need to keep it. But but I, I rid myself of that very quickly <laughs> because I did not want to be someone who kept a lot of stuff where it was so much stuff I didn't even know what I had mm-hmm. so something in my mind shifted where I was like figure it out and now I cycle through things a lot it's fun like like my boyfriend it's like oh that's new I've got, pulled something and it's a new piece of furniture in here and he's like whatever his mom was an interior designer so he's like I'm used to this like everything changing I understand I understand I'm like it's just it's just what I do he's mm-hmm. like do what you
2: do. It's like uh, in Beetlejuice when um, the mom is like, if you don't let me get this house and do what I need to do. And she's screaming. Just have you seen um, what's she's plays Moira. I can't think of her name. Say it
0: again. You Catherine O'Hara.
2: Oh, she says, if, <laughs> If, um, she's like, if you don't let me get this house and do what I need to do, I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. And that's how my poor husband, he's just like, he'll come home and be like, Oh, that's a new wall. Or that's new. It's the same thing. Like, it's just, yeah.
1: I know my husband will see something. He's like, mm, is that new or have I not paid attention? Yeah. And I'll be like, which one do you want it to be?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What's been really fun is uh, finding things that are both of our styles, because I'm pretty much like very mid-century modern. I love the 70s and 60s. If, if um, yeah, Mad Men gives me all the things that I need. It's so well-written. That feeds my writer part, the furniture, the the outfits, the makeup, the, the acting. I mean, every box is checked, and mm-hmm. I watch at least once a year because it is just so I decided that last year in quarantine, I was like, yes, I think that this is my number one show. He's like, wow, really more than sex in the city. I'm like, yes, (laughs) Um, it feeds my soul in a very different way. So
2: I love watching vintage based TV shows, especially as a collector now, because I'll be like, I just watched the background after I've seen the episode. I'm like, okay, what did I miss? Or what did I not know? Oh yeah! Was a I'm like, collectible.
0: I'm like, I have that lamp. Oh look, those are those are a cocktail lamp. <laughs> You know, you just feel all cool and stuff. You're like, oh, weird. Look at the
2: set designer wanted these. Yeah, That means they're cool. Absolutely, I'd love to talk to a set designer about sourcing and all that stuff mm-hmm. for period pieces because
0: absolutely, and even the wardrobe stylist for a show like that, especially yeah. it's just like. Oh, And again, that time period is when my mom was experiencing all of that. So it's it's so fun to kind of reference and think about her in those situations. She's like, you this know? was my
2: childhood living room. What are we doing?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the pictures that I have of my mom, like Christmas time. I'm like, oh. what is that sofa? Where are you? <laughs> you know, that was me mom people's house. And I was like, what? <laughs> Straight out of Mad Men, like the sickest living room you've seen i'm like oh my gosh Whoa. but now yeah now it's for me it's a melding of like my style with my partner's style and so fortunately it leans and i'm from texas so i can lean into that you know i was like president of the ffa and sh- like this is i got this you got Western it. thing. yeah it's not something that i have to like accept i can just kind of lean back into it you mm-hmm. know And so one thing that we have sort of started acquiring and collecting that I love and he also loves is the old 50s wagon wheel furniture. Oh, uh, yeah. (laughs) Which I saw several years ago and I was like, I must eventually have this because they're like the vinyl with embroidered things sometimes it's embossed they're all different Mm -hmm. we ended up with one with a giant longhorn embroidered on the back and then later found a rocking chair with cowboy boots on it and a chair with spur on it which is stitched and embossed and that's something that he's like this is my rocking chair I'm like oh it's your rocking chair now okay um and so you know we've found a really cool way to to mix both of our aesthetics. You know, it's definitely the style feels like a Palm Springs rodeo is how I like (laughs) describe it. (laughs) That That is the best. That's my aesthetic. What's your, what's your vibe? A Palm Springs rodeo. You know, that's perfect because you,
1: you have the visual, you know what you're Mm -hmm. talking about when you say that.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Because growing up in Western states, right, I feel like Idaho and Texas could be the same thing, just different accents. And you either, like, you grow up around everybody doing FFA was a huge thing in my high school, like, all of that, right? Tractors to school, gun racks in people's cars, the whole thing. <laughs> and, you know, it was not um un, like you didn't, if you were either stopped by a tractor or cattle or sheep in the country, like, You were just like, oh, this is my morning, I guess. Hold on. But it's one of those things that I like moved away from. And then now I find myself going back to some parts of that aesthetic, especially vintage country Western stuff is much more my liking than like Rodeo Queen. Which. Yeah. Oh, I get what you're
0: saying. Thousand percent. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's like. It's been so fun. First of all, he loves Texas as well. So he just like thinks it's so awesome that I'm from Texas, like that he, we found each other in Tennessee, but I'm this little, he calls me his yellow rose, you know? And I'm like, I know. He loves that I can, I am, I am a Texas girl for sure. Uh, To clarify, just in the way that I'm like, oh, I'm really proud that I'm from Texas, you know, it's got so much history in it. When I cross out of Arkansas and into Texas, and I'm like, Oh man, I'm home. It just feels different. And I feel like everyone's moving there now. But when I go back, I'm like, there's a little bit of a strut because I'm like, yeah, but I'm from here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, girl, you just moved from LA to Austin. That's cool. I I grew up in in Texas. Uh
2: Um, are you the type a too little
0: that... but not, really, <laughs> not really no judgment.
2: are you the type that when you I'm, i think every person from the South does the same thing with an accent where when they get mad, it just turns up to eleven. like the accent just comes all the way out.
0: oh, oh yeah, if for sure and or if I'm on the phone with my mom or if I'm down in Texas for a while,
1: mm-hmm. I'm
0: definitely called out on on the presenting itself and and come on out to play. <laughs> yeah my mom has a a a very Texas way of speaking. And we both sometimes have little voices, you know, like in everyday conversations. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, ring, ring, (laughs) ring.
1: That's how it was with my grandparents because my grandpa's from Arkansas and my grandma's from Oklahoma. So when they would get into it, they'd start these little sayings that were like, what in the hell does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Like my grandma would all, she still says to this day, Lord love a duck. And I said that to somebody the other day. They're like, what does that mean? What and does that like, mean? I don't know. You know, the Lord loves a duck. <laughs> You're the duck. I don't know. Is it because I ducks
2: know. are unlovable? <laughs> is that I got to Google that right now is Lord love a duck.
0: Yeah. What's up with that? I'm not. Heard that she one. would
1: say it when she was annoyed. So we were <laughs> in trouble when sh- that came out.
0: Oh, <laughs> I will say, speaking of ducks and how cool my mom was, she once had a pet duck. After she got married, they had a pet duck named Piccolo Pete. Oh my! I'm like, can you be any cooler, mom? What else?
1: Piccolo Pete. She's like, everybody has a dog or a cat. I want a duck. She's like, that's my duck.
0: I'm like, what? Okay.
2: Oh, so "Lord love a duck" is a mild and inoffensive expression of surprise, once well known in Britain and dating from the latter years of the 19th century. So it's basically to omit like being stunned or dismayed. So that's why, Oh Lord, love a duck. Yeah, Can't even believe that this is my real life. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I gotta put that in my back pocket to use that next time. You
1: should, you should. Yeah, I like it.
2: Well, you have really rich family history in Texas too. It's a, you couldn't not have a connection to that place if you tried. And I think yeah. Texas, I think Texas feels like home to people that have never even been to Texas. Yes. It's just welcoming and nice and warm. But I had never heard of this place in Texas until your email and your was it your great great aunt Kathy Morgan? My
0: great my great aunt. So this is my mom's um aunt. On her dad's side. So, okay. So, I was doing
2: This place sounds kind of insane but also fantastic. And let me if I'm saying it right is
0: it Lukenbach, Texas? Yeah, Luke and Bach Like the Wayland Jennings song Mm
1: oh I was gonna say why do I know this I know this word
0: (laughs) yes yeah
2: so she was uh, a like part founder of that town right
0: they bought it so it was literally a general store and a dance hall and a post office and I believe I think it was in the late 60s early 70s she with a guy named Hondo Crouch and another guy named Geach I
2: was not going to try and pronounce his name.
0: (laughs) Yes. Three of them together bought it. And um, they sort of, that became the renaissance of this place where where it became the place where Jerry Jeff Walker recorded and uh, Willie and Waylon would come and play there. I mean, it was just this absolute iconic time in the 70s where she's running around for one of Willie's first picnics, I believe collecting cash and paper bags. Like just, it became this amazing thing. And that was a big part of her later life. She lived an incredible life. And I'm I'm doing, I'm trying to do a lot more research because I would love to tell more of her story Um, because she was, the matriarch of of this time in texas which is absolutely if you're from texas for sure but so many people even if they're not know about lucanbock largely because of the song but it's just still this very special place in the texas hill country
2: yeah and it was such Ooh. a from what i was reading about it too it was such a formative time for country western music because yeah. when i was reading the names of people that went through Lucanbach and were performing and writing Songs. I mean, you had Towns Van Zandt, you had Willie yeah. Nelson, you had all of those people. And it was really bohemian, but for Texas.
0: It was, absolutely. Like, you know, in the way that Laurel Canyon bred what it did in California, mm-hmm. I feel like Lukenbach in the 70s was this sort of special time when, when it was just a place and people would just sit around playing poker or writing or, you know, and there was all these different facets um, are without a doubt a moment in time that can't ever be recreated, yeah. um, but it did exist. And there are, you know, a few people that did experience that. And if they're listening, I need them to reach out to me because I have questions Yes. Um, because they're those, you know, the, we have to get those stories now because they're incredible.
2: Well, and I mean, it's, I'm, it's a, a cornerstone of country music. I mean, it needs to be thoroughly, thoroughly documented for future posterity. And, and of
0: For me, as a a woman, I am like let's let's spotlight her story a little bit more because you can not,
2: find a lot about the two men, but you cannot find a lot about her.
0: Exactly. Which which is something I'm very aware of and trying to correct. So
2: yeah, it's un it's you know it's uh, of course as women we know this trope all too well, right? It's upsetting that there's certain bits of history that are not remembered all the way because one of the integral parts was a woman or a female. And so they're just like, Oh, well it was just these two guys. Oh, and then there was also this chick. Right.
0: But they called queen Kathy. I mean, you don't call this woman queen for nothing. She was just this huge personality and such a special woman with an incredible life. And so, yeah, definitely looking forward to Uh, documenting more about that in the form of some sort of literary project. Yeah. Um, She's incredible. Yeah. And so that was my mom's aunt and um, aunt Kathy. And so she, they also had a ranch outside of not in Lukenbach, but in a town called Blanco, which is, you know, we grew up going to, and um, my great grandparents lived there and they're all buried there. I mean, it's just such a special place that um i've i've been able to continue to go to and my cousin now lives there which is her son and um they've sort of converted the ranch to a a place where people can come and do retreats oh, wow. and it's so so special that you know people are getting to enjoy that space and you know i've been able to enjoy it i've been able to take my guy there and and him get we were able to stay there and sort of the Blanco River runs right through it. It's just really cool. Oh, it's beautiful.
2: Yeah. Now, did this, did this family history, is this what led you to the career you're in now?
0: I feel like it was completely accidental. And and I think as a woman in the music industry, sort of looking back, I'm like, my aunt was a freaking pioneer for women in the music industry and probably had no idea where mm-hmm. she was was doing all of this stuff with live festivals and events that I do now. Right. And um very very odd that it that it ended up that way i will say that i think george Strait is probably why i ended up in the music industry um he is sort of why I, I always just loved music and i really latched on to george from a young age where mm-hmm. i was like this guy and of course dolly and reba and any that was all sort of there but george was like you know it's texas he's
2: right. elvis Well, he was also, he was a huge deal when you and I were growing up. Like he was like the king of country music.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, King George, you Mm -hmm. know. (laughs) And so he was very influential. And one of the many adventures my mom and I went on is one time we went to the George Strait Team Roping Classic on my spring break. And it was a moment that changed (laughs) my life. For sure. Um, they're literally walking up and there's an old couple, Dick and Marty from the Bernie Rotary Club. And they're like, how y'all doing? You know, and I was just this little 15 year old. <laughs> girl. And they're like, you want to meet George Strait? You should meet George Strait. And you go in there and you tell Mary, she's on the left. You tell her the Dick and Marty sent you that you want to meet George. And I was like, these people are crazy. <laughs> this is how <laughs> that works. I can't say that. <laughs> But I also, from a very young age, was just like, you got to just be bold. Go for it. What You can tell me no. That's okay, the cool. youngest
2: syndrome. That's the youngest child. Just being like, I'm going to do <laughs> yeah. it anyway. So you guess yeah. you're going like, to have to I deal with know.
0: it. I got nothing to lose. So I walked in there. I was like, are you married? Hi. Dick and Mari sent me. They told me that I should tell you that I wanted to meet George Straitner. She's like, they did, huh? <laughs> and so like what happened with my mom and I often is people sort of like kind of fell in love with this little mother daughter situation. And we were just, you know, just having fun, real easy going. And it was nothing like, um, aggressive about what we did. We were just having fun and happy to be there kind of thing. And sure enough, the next day we're, we're walking up and Mary sticks her hand out the window, the front door and says curls her fingers says, come here. And so they, they, they sent me and my mom to meet George Strait <laughs> and that changed my whole life. Of course, George and I talked about the FFA and he's like, nobody's ever asked me about <laughs> this. I was like, I really wanted to know, like, where are you in it? And tell me all about it. He's like, I was. <laughs> um, and it was very, very cool. And he sat there talking with us for a, a while, just like hold my little hand, patting it, talking with my mom. They both had family in Pearsall, Texas, very small world. and. I walked out of there and I was like, well, now what? Because I met George Strait and right. he was the nicest ever, Yeah. like literally the best. And so after that, I was never starstruck because why would I be if I mm-hmm. met George Strait and he's awesome and he's freaking George Strait, then nobody re- else is worthy of, you know, <laughs> you're fawning. Yeah, swooning or fumbling over. Um, so And that kind of became a thing where we would go for my spring break and I got to see and talk with him every year, which was the coolest. Oh my God. It's my FFA girl, y'all. I was like, Dead. Oh my God, he remembered. And then it was like FFA sweetheart the next time. And then I was going AM and it was Aggie sweetheart. It was just a journey. And he was so lovely and wonderful. And I, oh, yeah, if, if that's. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know, I was just um, not that that like immediately influenced me being in the music industry, but it certainly served me well to not feel um, starstruck or intimidated by anyone. And I can thank George Strait for that because he was um, lovely and generous with me and giving of his time and Does kindness. he?
2: Does he still recognize you? Like if I haven't guys- seen him
0: recently. I haven't. So I don't know if he would remember that I was his FFA sweetheart.
2: George, if but, you're listening, I know you're a big fan of the show. <laughs> um, if George, you're listening, George.
0: Yeah. Your um, FFA sweetheart. Your FFA sweetheart is all grown up and slinging vintage shirts of yours.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and so if you have some that you need to let go and get rid of. You know, just send them down to Beth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, it is funny because his daughter in law bought. Azure straight jacket for me in december <laughs> and i was like well this is full circle and also makes me feel way better about getting rid of this because i was having a really hard time but it's been returned to the straight family and that felt like a very full circle moment
2: it always finds its right owner vintage oh, does uh-
0: absolutely yes
2: i also have to say you said i don't know why people are in love with me and my mom you wrote the most charming fucking emails that i have ever received and i was like i'm in love with her i'm look at how she writes an email and how she corresponds it's the sweetest she says y'all and can't wait and i'm just like why can't everybody email like this
0: other people don't email
2: like that just email me all the time beth just send me like a horoscope I know, she, stuff. <laughs> she. was telling me
1: she's like She is seriously the sweetest thing ever. And I was like, well, she's from Texas. Like Like 90% of the people are the sweetest thing ever.
0: Oh, that's very nice. That makes me feel good. I usually only hear that from my boyfriend who says I'm the sweetest woman in the world, except for his grandma, Alice. And I'm like, yeah, she's she's sweet.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're like trying to get to that.
0: I'm like, I accept that.
2: I'll accept that defeat. So let's talk a little bit about this, this now what you do. So you have your job in the music industry, but you also have Daisy Palomino, which I love that you sell Western wear and vintage tees. So where did Daisy Palomino start for you?
0: For me, I had been slinging vintage actively since I was in college. I kind of did that. I would find things and sell it in college to sort of, make money. Um, and it was slowly something that I always did in 2012 in the early days of Instagram, I started an account that would later become Daisy Palomino, but at the time was called shop on the brink. And, um, it's kind of took off and turned into this other thing where I was selling mostly vintage, but some, you know, modern stuff that I would find. And, um, and it was all online. This was before the algorithm. Just like I was literally making a living selling stuff on Instagram. Wow. And, and still doing freelance stuff in the music industry. And uh, it was last year. And it was, had been something that I'm like, I really think that I'm supposed to be doing this more actively and, um, in a bigger way. And the pandemic, naturally, it was like, <laughs> focus. You're at home. You have all of this stuff that you could be selling that you don't need to go out into the world to get. You could just literally sell the stuff that you have. And it sort of became a thing where I was like, well, let's call this something different and let's give it a little bit more branding and a little bit more intention where I knew that I wanted to make it um, not just something on Instagram, but something a little more tangible. And I was very inspired by photos of my mom from the 70s and who she was and and sort of like I don't know I was just kind of toying with a lot of different names and words that I liked and did I want to call it something about her was it too on the nose I don't know and then I kind of as a writer sort of formed this story about this who this woman would be if I didn't know she was my mom mm. if he was just this bombshell in texas in the 1970s who was stunning but also like kind of silly and just whimsical and i decided that i, I would call her daisy palomino and i you know just kind of built the story around it and then kind of ran with it and then it sort of has taken on a yeah it just started it just started taking form in a different way and and has become its own different thing yeah so
2: I love that you looked at it as if you would like stumbled upon a picture in an antique store and saw her yeah, and looked you know, at her as that way.
0: Who is this? And to kind of detach myself and because had I found these pictures in an antique mall, I absolutely would have bought them, which I will do sometimes if I find pictures that I feel like are too special to mm-hmm. you know, believe there and we'll kind of invent stories around who they might be. But I'm just, so fortunate that I have these photos. First of all, a treasure trove that are just my most prized possession. Um, and they absolutely inspire me constantly. And crazy enough, most of what I sell is this style, which is very 60s and 70s, heavy, leans a little western sometimes, um, definitely leaned into the the concert tea thing. I think that's like the music industry side and working mm-hmm. with artists now, kind of come to play, you know the thought that I might be working with an artist who someday their merch that they're creating for the first time and how exciting is it to create concert, you know, touring merch for the first time and then finding it years later. Um, it's cool. It all kind of goes hand in hand.
2: Right. And I think that it's, I I like listening to the beginning and kind of where somebody's vintage store is. Right. And it's always funny how like vintage Vintage finds its way into being what the seller needs to do best. Like you started with, you know, vintage stuff and doing this and kind of that. And then as you leaned into what you truly loved, that's where it started to kind of live its own life. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It definitely became where like people were really going crazy over my, you know, specifically country t-shirts um, and, um, eighties and, you know, like early eighties kind of stuff is when those really started to be a thing. And so those, but also, you know, people love like the high rise Wrangler jeans or boots that are cool or leather jackets or, you know, and then, then there's a the flip of the coin, which is the seventies maxi dresses mm-hmm. and, you know, the, that, that kind of thing. So it's definitely like sort of an even, when I say like Western whimsy, it's because it's both of that. It's like this whimsical, fun, ethereal kind of thing. And then it's this like Western concho belts or, Mm -hmm. you know, denim and things like that. So,
2: Well, and you have, I mean, you're a stylist too. And so you have this fantastic eye for piecing stuff together and making it like, I think sometimes people look at vintage and like people outside of the vintage world, not in the vintage world, look at vintage and they're like, that would never work today. Right. When really
0: bizarre, like look at the runways, everything is, is feeding from the past. Mm -hmm. And so when you take aside the fact of knowing that it's vintage or how much you found it for and you style it in a way that it could be, Gucci it could be goodwill you know right and it it's really it doesn't matter it's about how you put things together and the confidence the person has wearing them um and how it kind of fits to their style so if it's a photo shoot you know obviously you're leaning into who the aesthetic of the person is like who she is who who they are he whatever and um, mixing it with modern pieces I mean that's mm-hmm. what that's the beauty of vintage is. You know, it doesn't have to be all, you don't have to be head to toe polyester, but <laughs> you can mix in these pieces that um, elevate a look mm-hmm. and get more unique. And obviously for the most part, one of a kind in some cases.
2: Right. And I think, you know, I, I hope the trend turns a little bit where we got kind of caught up in this material thing of like, nobody wanted to wear vintage or Goodwill stuff because it didn't cost enough money to be like right. worthy of wearing where now I think is I, now when I'm out, I see more people that are like in their late teens, early twenties thrifting than I've ever seen.
0: Oh Absolutely, ever, and And I'm like, yes. That that continues.
2: Carry the torch.
0: I am. I'm really like. I'm not the stylist you need if you want to be like tagging a bunch of brands. I I'm the the person that if you want to look very unique, have something that not a lot of people have the balls to wear, Mm -hmm. or you know would would wear or would know to find or would know to piece together with something modern. Um, But I think the Instagram culture is people love tagging unattainable brands. And that's okay. unrealistic for ninety-five percent of the country. Yeah. Yeah, that Gucci belt's cool, but what about this vintage belt that's it's, 50
1: bucks mm-hmm.
0: that is probably way better made? I don't know. I'm not I'm not knocking Gucci.
1: Well no, Maybe I agree
2: it's, with it's you. Fine. Like I, I would but, rather have like a vintage hand tooled leather belt or something of that aesthetic rather than a belt oh, yeah. that's like brand new with an emblem of something else yeah. on it. And,
0: and it's fun to mix those high-end pieces, of course, especially accessories with a vintage dress or something 100%. like that, but it's not necessary. And I think so many people get really caught up with labels and mm-hmm. feeling like that is some sort of indication of success. And I just do not buy into that at all.
2: Yeah. No. And it's, it's something that when I worked for a company as an educator, that was kind of the way they were like wanting to lead social media was like, you need to be creating this. You need to be creating that. You need to be tagging this. You need to be doing that. And I'm like, I live in a town of 30,000 people. I, I do not need to have a following of 150,000 people of people from like the East and West coast because they're not the ones sitting in my chair. They're not the ones that this needs to translate too. And I'm like I think you're just missing the point of like what what people enjoy and what people like to take in for themselves as content is not that shit.
0: Absolutely. They no. won't yeah. Not it's, at it's, all. It's not. And um it's it's interesting to see what people reach out about that they've per- like bought from me. That's been a really fun part since launching like an actual little booth storefront kind of thing and I am yes. literally seeing this booth like it is a my boutique because it is it's like beautiful I, yeah. congratulations it's so, first of all yeah. I've taken a stake over a little piece of square footage and I'm gonna make the most of it mm-hmm. and it has been so fun it's just been a week but it's been so fun seeing um first of all that people will reach out or tag on Instagram a mug that they bought or whatever. And I'm like this is so fun. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, I've got to find that balance between the in-person shop and online, which I think I'm, I'm I've got a really cool um, way that I'm working on doing that, but it's new, it's just like, what, how is this going to work? You know? Mm-hmm. And I love it. I mean, that's, that's how shop on the brink was. It was like, I was building this community of women, some of which I still talk with. Or have gone on to grow their businesses. Um, Jennifer with Flea Market Fab, do y'all follow that? Mm-hmm. Like amazing rugs and stuff. She used to buy stuff from me. I'm like, I feel so cool because she's so cool. Right. You know, it's different people from all over the place. Like, that's the fun of it, you know? And when there is conversation around what they buy, that's even more fun because it's not just like they're clicking something on online Mm -hmm. but if they feel like they can kind of connect over it or sometimes I'll offer up some styling advice for the piece or something that's the fun of it you know oh I love that I love that you do that because I think oh yeah that's how I definitely started with shop on the brink where it was like you know style this with a top knot and some high-waisted jeans with some sandal or whatever you know and it would kind of immediately put the idea of how this could work in their head and they'd be like oh that's cute yeah I'll do that
2: yeah, I think that's a fabulous thing because it's like I was saying, you know, our, uh, the the shapes and silhouettes of vintage are so far away from what we're moving back towards it a little bit now. But right now we're stuck in like weird '90s fever dream for me of like the stuff that's uh, well, a thing. The, the
0: '90s yeah. stuff. And part of it, I'm like, I found a pair of Betsy vintage Betsy Johnson heels yes. that are like I mean <laughs> mm-hmm. a little bit um a little gaudy a little bit like what do you do at night <laughs> <laughs> um but I'm like I'm keeping these they're they're amazing and no doubt from the 90s mm-hmm. um there's a lot of that for sure right now but you know and I have and also also I know what's cool I can find some cool 90s stuff for sure my 90s interpretation is definitely more of like did Sarah Jessica Parker wear this in second city
2: uh-huh but,
0: I lean hard into those ladies for the '90s, early 2000s part of it. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely fun to see what the trends are. Kind of lean into them, pull things specifically for that. But also just leaning into what I think is cool, what I would wear. Um, inclusive sizing is huge for what I'm doing because. It just needs, it's hard with vintage. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. much of that stuff can be super tiny, Yeah. Um, but not all of it. And so you just have to be mindful about what you're sourcing and the size range and having some something for everything, like all sizes for all folks is sort of what I'm saying, because I want to make sure that I have something at all times that anybody could wear. Yeah.
2: Which uh, I, let me be the first to tell you, thanks. Cause I have been plus size my entire life.
0: Oh yeah, I'm I'm not anybitty. I have I got booty, and so mm-hmm. let's embrace the booty and get you in some jeans that fit. And I'm also not into you know beating yourself up about something not fitting. Like, right? If it doesn't fit, get rid of it, mm-hmm. or buy the jeans that fit you right now. Yeah. So that you can freaking enjoy yourself and live your life. And if they don't fit anymore, then get rid of them. Mm-hmm.
2: Nobody's so, gonna come up to you and go, "What size are your pants? Did you no. size up in those pants?" <laughs>
1: <gasps> literally
2: no, nobody if
0: they
1: do nobody ever, ever,
2: be, ever your
0: friend for no it's just and also god bless high-waisted is back mm-hmm. we spent
2: far <laughs> I mean, too long oh with that low muffin toppy butt crack situation
0: oh uh- uh-uh. some there's a meme that was saying like all to all the the gen xers that like oh yeah you guys got high-waisted jeans you got Booty confidence because that's mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to have that butt um, Like we had You know low rise jeans And freaking Britney Spears As the mm-hmm. bar
2: And we, oh. Oh, yeah, we had They also had the biggest like boot Like oh, not bell bottom type Right but there was always so much extra Fabric at the end of your jean that They were always ripped on the back by your heel
0: Oh I yep. know Or
2: okay. if it was wet outside the water just went all the way up your Pants <laughs> And then uh, you had to wear three tank tops with a cardigan and then put your collar up, but cover yes. your butt crack when you sit at school. Cause nobody wants to see that, but everybody was seeing it. That's the other thing. We were all acting like nobody's butt crack was out, but everybody's butt crack was out.
1: Everybody. Well, yeah. Cause then the guys were wearing the jeans below their butt.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yes.
1: How do they even walk? I, I
2: just imagine that's very like their hips are going to suffer in a couple decades. From that uh, wide yeah. knee yeah
1: like the, the way wide. I feel like their knees and their hips are gonna be replaced here soon because of the way they had to walk
2: doc what happened to me well son you're a product of the 90s yeah.
1: <laughs> and you wore your pants too low so we're calling
2: this pants hips <laughs> <laughs> syndrome
0: PHS men in 10 years hurry <laughs> oh, right here first folks. we told you
2: reference but will be somebody's source for their medical You thesis. know how
0: exactly have that trouble? Men who wear Wranglers.
2: hmm
1: It's
0: true.
2: Wrangler butt is mm. man or woman Wrangler. Speaking butt. of
0: George.
2: Speaking of George. George, I know you're listening. Uh, A <laughs> Patreon <laughs> member. <laughs> yeah. What have you learned about like sourcing? I feel like vintage concert and tour stuff is hard to come across, what is your like, what's your checklist on like buying something to sell for that aspect of Daisy Palomino?
0: Um, a lot of what my checklist is for anything is like, what I, can I wear this? <laughs> <laughs> like, can I, if it doesn't sell, do I want it? Kind of thing. <laughs> Um, which is difficult because sometimes I'm like, Oh yeah, no, I can't sell that.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> no. Um, once I put it on and feel how soft it is, you know, um, oh, but this it's is cute. Yeah. It's, you know it's it's hard because that stuff is harder to come by so a lot of it sometimes it's just lucky finding it and you just grab it and sometimes it's a little bit more intentional with um with the kinds of things i'm trying to find i try i mean obviously for me the older the better if it's a single stitch if it's the way that it's printed you know on into the t-shirt that's all changed so much over the years so it used to there's a there's a way that you can tell what is you know you know meant to last longer Mm -hmm. and why those vintage shirts look so cool is because of the way they were printed back then and um yeah so i think i just for sourcing anything i'm always just leaning into what do i think is cool and if it doesn't sell can i keep it (laughs) (laughs) will that be okay well just like oh you didn't sell this but you um it for yourself unintentionally, and that's okay. Where could I get it? Um, yeah, it's there's no real formula. I just kind of go with go with the feeling and and take shots on things that I I think someone else will like as well.
2: Yeah, that's what I always love to hear when we ask that question. Is like, okay, I'm not crazy for thinking this is the way people do it because I'm always like, is there some yeah. secret formula to vintage that?
0: Well, and I think that's why people sort of latch onto a person as a let's use the word let's say curate let's say it <laughs> um, as the curator of a particular collection you know you kind of latch on to that person's eye mm-hmm. and know that the stuff that they think is cool you're probably going to think is cool too so I guess that's I mean that's what I do when I sort of latch on to to someone and I'm like I love their style If they're they mm-hmm. they nine times out of ten what they where I'm going to think it's cool as well. And so I think that that's the good part about when you kind of launch something and you're a very much a part of the process. Like yeah. it's okay that people know it's me. Hey, I, I'm the one out there hunting this stuff um, so that you don't have to. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to serve it up to you and then you can have it and it'll be great. I think it's um, perfect. Yeah. So that they, they can kind of know that, um, you know, I'm not just like, grabbing trash bags full of vintage, I'm trying to thoughtfully pick things out that I think people will like.
2: Oh, I love that. So Beth, where can our listeners find Daisy Palomino Vintage?
0: Yeah, so um, it it lives online at daisypalomino.com. It's also, there's a lot of Instagram action happening. People love to buy on Instagram. They actually prefer it. It's crazy. And they even love more than anything to buy it off of Instagram stories. Yeah,
2: story sales are...
0: a lot of of stuff will hit stories and that's as far as it'll go because it'll get purchased that way. So that's fun to follow along that way. And there's all kinds of cool things now that I'm tying into because, so if you live in Nashville or if you're visiting Nashville, you can now shop in person at East Nashville Antiques and Vintage, which could not have been a more perfect home. It just opened. um, And I am an East Nashville girl for the longest that is my hood i have lived there for you know more than 10 years oh, wow. recently right before the pandemic we moved a little further out which is really good for my soul to now be able to come out a little further outside of town and kind of do my creative thinking mm-hmm. and writing and living and then i get to go back into my and hit up happy hour spots more restaurants and have my shop there and the other uh, dealers that are in like my neighbors in the santi mall, are incredible Literally the first day we opened, I'm like, I bought this piece of furniture from my kitchen. (laughs) But I was like, well, this is going to be bad Um, (laughs) because everybody and everyone is so sweet and supportive. And it is hands down the best decision I've made recently. I was not sure. I'd never done it before. I've only ever just sent online and pop-ups. And so to have a place where I can find something and immediately just put it for sale, especially stuff that's hard to ship, like Vintage glassware, which I absolutely love, but always makes me really nervous to Mm -hmm. ship. Purging of my collection of mugs. My boyfriend will appreciate this because they (laughs) can even go somewhere else. Uh Um, It's it's really been fun. And the response has been really great. And, you know, just people reaching out after they bought something like that is so sweet and kind and they share it. So thank you all for doing that. Um it's just given a new life to what I'm doing and realized that I really like the merchandising aspect of it in person.
2: Well, and your your setup is so so adorable and so well thought out. I love now that you have a place to flex that stylist muscle the way yes. you want to do it.
0: It's so cool and it's definitely um leading to to more of of the styling stuff and and even interiors and it's just such a a fun way for it to be it kind of made it real for me in a way like people knew that it was happening but now they can kind of go at their own pace and enjoy it in their own time and it's open seven days a week which is amazing
2: oh that's cool Um,
0: it's so cool it is dangerous Mm
2: -hmm. um speaking of dangerous things it's time for this week's estate sale walkthrough uh-oh. Now, for those of you that are new here to the show, every week on the Mothball Prophecies, we do an imaginary estate sale walkthrough. It is completely made up and inspired by the guests of the week's favorite vintage and antique items. Oh, no. I do a little bit of a deep dive on uh, social medias to see kind of what they like, where things are hidden, what they lean towards. And everything in the estate sale, the scenarios are all made up, but the vintage items are all very real. I pull my inspiration from eBay and Etsy and all that different stuff. Um, And the only catch is you can only pick one of the items in each scenario unless otherwise described. So it's um, vintage Dante's Inferno in a way.
1: It's horrible.
2: So. Oh, no. (laughs) welcome I, every this i leave it at the end of the episode because everything goes really well And then at this point if you hate yeah, me after this, is
0: this when it's, it's i'm over. already missing the things i can't have yeah
2: <laughs> and then we'll also tell you you can figure out your own loopholes there's no rules you have to figure them out yourself the loophole portions of the the
0: escape room. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: So this week we're heading East in Tennessee over to tri cities flea market. It's one of the largest in Tennessee hosting over 1000 vendors and can boast up to 30,000 shoppers. Our snacks are packed. We got our beer, our snacks and our Trader Joe's coolers and we're ready (laughs) to pick. Okay. We spot this booth shining in the sun from the entrance and head straight to it. It's a booth full of vintage and antique ashtrays. This is a two-parter, okay? So, Beth, are you going to choose to pick from glass or ceramic?
0: Oh, oh shoot! I'm gonna go ceramic.
2: All right, Jill, glass or ceramic? Uh,
1: oh freak, I hate you so much. Uh, glass. All right, yeah, glass.
2: I'm also gonna go glass. So, Beth, with the ceramic, right? We are going, we have pink and gold atomic or blue and gold atomic. Which are you choosing from?
0: I'm going pink and gold.
2: Oh, quick, fast.
0: Yeah, that's hard though.
2: (laughs) Jill, we glass, right? Yeah. You have Fenton Amberlina cut art glass or art glass basket weave. Ashtray.
1: Uh,
2: Beth's face. She's upset that this is happening to you.
1: Good, because I'm upset.
2: Ooh.
0: And I feel like I just got out so easy. And I'm like, oh, oh, sorry, girl. <laughs> uh,
1: you. uh I'm gonna go Fenton.
2: Oh, good choice. I'm gonna go with mm. the the glass basket weave because it's just kitschy and I love it.
1: Yeah. Hmm. It, oof. So cute.
2: <laughs> All right. Next stop is a booth filled with, of course, incredible clothing. We couldn't get out of the estate I'll walk through without that. Now, this is a scenario where you can pick everything that you want from this booth, but only from one category. Oh, man. Both of them just got so mad. Do you choose, Beth, I'm sorry, vintage caftans and maxis, no. vintage blouses and tops, or vintage workwear like overalls and boiler suits? <laughs>
1: Oh. We, we had a friend and then you <laughs> ruined it for us, Sam. I just, at
2: least, you know, <laughs> anybody listening, now you know things to get Beth for holidays because the reactions.
0: <laughs> Here's the deal I have goosebumps <laughs> on my leg. It's for me, oh, it's hard for me because I love vintage workwear with the coveralls and things. However, there's nothing I love more than caftans and maxis. Is so that, that what you're going with? I'm absolutely going with that. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. And they're beautiful in my mind. <laughs>
2: they are. They're all your favorite colors, favorite <laughs> no, cuts, favorite trims.
0: Thing.
2: Jill? <sighs> Jill recently had, this is included because Jill recently had this real life experience at an estate sale. There was a woman in line before her that bought the entirety of the sale's vintage coveralls and overalls.
1: Oh, what? Yeah. bitch. Uh-huh. So I'm going to go with The work where just because I didn't get my overalls. It's your redemption song. She didn't even like look at them. She didn't like, she just like scooped them up.
2: All of them. All. Mm -hmm. It's a hateful thing. I missed
0: out on some hickory overalls at the antique mall a couple of days ago. I didn't try them on. I'm telling myself that they would, my booty wouldn't have fit in them because it makes me feel better. Yeah. That. I didn't get them. And then here's me now pouring I have a salt on the time where I have to find some. Yeah. I know.
2: Now you do. Sorry. That's what happens. The antique universe spoke to me and went overalls. I know. Um, I yeah. am a huge lover of coveralls, overalls, and boiler suits. I wear overalls probably twice a week, so I'm gonna pick those. And they are in all of my favorite patterns. They're loud and the railroad stripe. Oh yeah. Yes yeah yeah yes. yeah okay this is the last stop on the walkthrough we are weaving our way back towards the front and there is a booth filled with trinkets there is jewelry and the like but it's particular type of jewelry it's sterling vintage sterling and turquoise jewelry.
1: You, you say that like it makes it better. Like it will be easier. I have for to him.
2: clarify for the listeners what we're picking from so everybody knows. Okay. So Ugh. there's three sets you can choose from. The first set is turquoise and vintage sterling with a mother pearl inlay. Okay. <sighs> it's a whole set. Rings, earrings, necklace, whatever you want. <sighs> the next one is the vintage sterling turquoise with opal inlays. Oh, come on. Or a vintage sterling and turquoise with coral inlaid.
0: Oh, it's my birthday next month. <laughs> um, I think I know. Okay. Well, I'm going opal. Opal? Yeah, I'm going opal.
2: I do love opals. I'm also going to follow suit and go at the opal route because...
0: So, harder to come
2: by yes while jill is toiling there is a opal mine in idaho it's in spencer and it's a pick opal mine so you literally get a bucket and a spray bottle and you go sit on a mound of stuff from the mine and you spray it and you fill your bucket up and you take it home
1: we should do that that'd
0: be
2: fun i'm coming yeah please come we'll, we'll make a date
0: What's the airport
2: um the closest airport you probably fly into either idaho falls or jackson i'll look before we're done here <laughs>
0: I'm on southwest uh, as we speak.
2: I'm like, do, 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 do,
0: yeah. do. um I vaccinate think... me and tell me I can't.
2: Go, go <laughs> opal. I'm going opal picking, bitches. Get out <laughs> of the way.
0: Tropical I'm Island, who?
2: I'm going to <laughs> Idaho.
0: <laughs> Y'all know without a doubt that when I am in Idaho or when I come to see you specifically, mm-hmm. like we're hanging out in real life.
2: Yes, sure. and we're picking, oh, and I want to. I'll, we'll talk about it after because I'm a big believer in serendipitous meetings. So we're going to, we'll talk about something after. I,
0: I absolutely feel the same way. Everything is, yep. it just happens. It's meant to be that way.
2: Yes. Okay, Jill, For sure. which one are you not getting out of it? Which one are you picking? Shit, I really She's just waiting
1: back,
0: like thinking we'll just keep talking. We'll just yeah. forget about it.
1: We'll just, that's why I brought up going to the Opal Mines
0: together.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with
0: coral oh mm-hmm. i do love the coral color with the turquoise yeah, it's just so
2: chef's kiss it's Ugh. beautiful yes it's
0: like this color palette yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes
2: all right i'm proud of all both of you for your choices in those that walk it was a hard one that was a hard one.
0: Oh, i just want to like put on my caftan and my opal and turquoise
2: jewelry <laughs> mm-hmm. let's and, go have a beverage um,
0: yeah and and put something in my ceramic ashtray yeah oh now i want a pink and gold atomic ashtray oh,
2: they're beautiful they're cool, i fun. currently have i think three ashtrays in this office but i have this one right here that is milk glass and it's a daisy oh. you see it oh look milk glass daisy mm-hmm. so they yeah. came in a set like those lunch sets so you would get like the snack tray and the cup and then the ashtrays came as a hostess set. So everybody had their own ashtray to smoke with at their table. Because oh. class. class.
0: Oh, I mean, that's I when show you, you were ashtray really- I have in here.
2: Oh, get it, get it, get it.
0: It's technically an ashtray. I found it in Texas. Oh, and, um, I was like, oh, that's so mine. Oh, oh, my God. That's so awesome. It looks
2: like <laughs> it's like a pink depression glass oh, ashtray. Too. Horseshoe. And
0: horseshoe, which is like a blush peachy pink, which this is basically my color. Like, oh. I'm oh. so drawn towards anything, like, you know, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. I love it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't even know what to put in.
1: Yeah. Put, called,
0: they called it a bud base. I wouldn't have called it a bud base. I mean, you could put buds in there. Is but... it holes in the bottom? Nope. Oh, no. It's I the... do air plants. <gasps> yeah. Air plants or, or, I don't know, just rings? Trinkets. Yeah. i yeah. put
2: like rings or earrings or bobby pins or little hair ties oh see see. that Mm -hmm. i love vintage ashtrays as trinket trays or i've seen like some people use plate hangers to hang them on their walls oh yeah there's our vintage tip of the week hang that is a good that's so good hang your ashtrays with vintage plate holders
0: Mm -hmm. hang
2: them up and display them because i feel like they get overlooked all the time because nobody really smokes anymore well people smoke but they don't necessarily uh, care what they're ashing oh, into. Oh
0: yeah, I love. I we have all sorts of ashtrays all over, and um it's just fun to. Yeah, I put all my trinkets in there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I love my trinkets. Like I'm a trinket. I'm basically so a magpie at this point in my life. Yes, I totally am. Mm-hmm. I wear all my rings, and I have one on the coffee table. I have one in the bedroom. Like they're just always. Yes, I am the same. My cat-alls. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you, Beth, for sitting down with us so much today. We've taken up far too much of your time. I don't we really really appreciate it we'll have to have you back on again to help us style some vintage clothing we would love that
0: we could do like a walkthrough thing where we have to put outfits together and we have to pick certain pieces Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: i love that i love it to hear even more about the items we talked about today in beth's episode stick around for this week's curio corner i said it in the interview and i will say it again If I could have just somebody in my life communicate to me the way Beth communicated to me via email and then in person, I think I would be just less stressed out all the time.
1: She was just like a happy ray of sunshine. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I'd like my internal dialogue to have a southern accent if we could do that.
1: Right. Uh If my
2: anxiety could be a southern belle, it'd be a lot better.
1: I know. And like the whole time because we had like, she had a storm going on and our Wi-Fi, like, because we were all in our own separate mm-hmm. facilities. And she was so, she's like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Let me do this. And I'm like, so, we're so sorry. She's like, no, no, it's fine. It was, I was seriously.
2: Like, I was like, it
1: is fine.
2: Thanks, Beth. And then she had her cute, like, she had her coffee set up with her. She had a Yeti with coffee and her little vintage mug. And her cute little dog. Mm-hmm. If I was ever in a crisis and she was around, I'd be like, we're fine.
1: We're fine. I know. I'll just look at her, and be like, "Are we fine, Beth?" <laughs> Beth, she'll be like, "Yeah." She, she'll be like, "We are. We are fine."
2: But yeah, it was the Wi-Fi issues and the different stuff that we had with this interview. It was still, I could have, we, I could have talked to her for at least another hour or more.
1: Like, I know my, I had a child who was <laughs> trying to throw up.
2: Yes, so
1: I had to cut it. But yes. I literally could have sat down with her for the rest of the day and just chit chatted mm-hmm. with her.
2: Mm-hmm. I can't wait for them to come this way eventually, her and her beau, and hopefully meet up with <laughs> him somewhere.
1: And- I know. She's just like, he'll come. We're like, okay. I'll be with him. I'm like, oh, all right.
2: Yeah, come and travel with us.
1: You yeah. just give us a hit. I need at least two weeks in advance notice, Beth, because. Yeah, That's how I roll.
2: Just send, drop us a DM and say, if it's if it's a week, I will go over to Jill's house and console her and just be like, it's going to be okay. We're going to, it's okay. We got it.
1: I'll have to have her call me and be like, Jill, it's fine.
0: Well,
2: and I can't wait to go back that way. Eventually, we're going to make it to that side of the country and to go yeah. to her in shop, shop, the Daisy Palomino vintage. Oh
1: my gosh. I, Every time she posts something on face or on Instagram, I'm like, who do I know? that lives close by that can get me something
2: no doubt right if you're located in nashville go to east nashville antiques and shop all the wonderful vendors there i'm sure they're open seven days a week and beth's booth is in there and she just restocked it with some darling
1: stuff oh she's got like the cutest did you see the cute little picture in the glass yeah
2: and then she just she had posted a picture this week too of um a mannequin bus with a vintage george Strait tee on it and I was, it was funny, you know, you grow up in a small area, right? And you just think like, kind of maybe everybody's like this. Maybe everybody's not like this. Mm-hmm. But when she made the FFA comment, I was just like, oh my God, it's going to haunt me for the rest of my life.
1: Know, your eyes got so big, which she, and you're just, it was almost like that moment, like, wait, what? I was like, hold on. we are not minute. the only ones that do that. Right.
2: Yeah. Cause it's just like, you know, every kid that I went to school with like there was like is either you did FFA or you didn't like it was pretty straight down the middle cut in half right yeah but you always knew somebody that did FFA I had friends and cousins and just everybody I think my husband did it, FFA it, when it, yeah he was when here. I
1: so growing up the way I did I had no clue what FFA was except I thought it was related to air control <laughs> that makes sense I mean why not so when everybody's like oh yeah I'm an FFA and I'm like really they start wait do they start you that young <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, that's cool. Good for you. And then like somebody like, had their like FFA jacket and all this like they were like decked out and like and their like, West. I'm like, what in the hell is going on right now? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. When there was FFA stuff happening at our school, you saw all the FFA kids walking around in their like, they're like blue corduroy jackets with the gold FFA emblem and stuff on Did you it. all
1: just part the the hallway as they were walking down? Yeah.
2: It was just like You know, the bad kids. And like the whole time I was like doing stuff for this Curio Corner. I just had the Dixie Chick song, Earl, that Earl had to die. (laughs) Both members of the 4-H club, both Uh active in the FFA all day today, just on repeat all day long well okay so the ffa if you're not from a rural part of the country stands for future farmers of america and it's an organization kind of like honor society or like student body type um, stuff it's an elective by choice but you can also i think get scholarships and all this stuff and it teaches people how to be like in the world of agriculture whether it's a teacher doctor scientist business owner farmer all of that stuff. So it teaches different fundamentals of agriculture. Like I know the kids that at my school, they would like raise chicks and they would go branding and there was a gardening sale and a plant sale and all that stuff. They went like, they would go like there was a big event trigger warning, some animal stuff, but there was a, um, they would go branding and castrating, like take the day off of school just to go tackle calves and do all that. Anyways, it's been an organization for a very long time. Um, you can, I've had cousins that raised animals for FFA. Hi, Emma. We had, they, we would go, <laughs> the, the funny story. So we went one time to my aunt and uncle's house in a, um so we went to the middle of the state, okay, the middle of I-15 in between Isle Falls and Boise. And um, we went there and they were preg checking cattle. My uncle is a cattle farmer. And an accountant, but not the type of accountant with the OnlyFans. Preg checking? Yeah, you new to this, Jill? Like, were they making them pee on a stick? No, it's much worse. It's much worse. You've never heard of this? My eyes right now as I look at you.
1: City girl. City girl.
2: We're recording this. (laughs) I'm recording this on the video so we can I see your wanna, face. Okay. So we went up to visit. We went with my dad and, um, they were preg checking cattle and my brother went out to make, to keep notes on it. Right. So they had to keep notes on how far along the vet thought that the cow was. Okay. The heifer. So what happens is the cows come down from the fields. They're loaded into a pasture. All of Please the,
1: tell me an ultrasound machine. No, comes out no at time.
2: it's manual. So they put the cows in a chute, which a squeeze chute, which holds them on either side. And then you put a glove that goes to your shoulder, kind of like a produce bag, on. And then you hold the tail out of the way and you go no elbow deep, depending on the length of your arm. And you can feel through that port of entry, if the cow is in utero, you'll feel a calf. I'm very proud of how much I know about this because I did not grow up on a farm. So you go all the way in and the vet checks and you turn your head to the side and you feel and then the vet shouts a number and that's the number that my brother had to write down who had a very similar face to what your face is right now, complete and utter horror. So you would would check all the cattle to see if they took during
1: heat. Did um, he at least give them treats? after this i think they
2: probably get some like alfalfa grain with some something
1: fuck i'd hope so i'd need like Mm -hmm. something
2: so that's how you check to see kind of what you're going to be expecting how many calves you're going to be expecting when calving starts in the spring and there's a whole bunch of other stuff to see if a cow's going into labor these are just things you learn jill when you live in the country glad i didn't congratulations but that was like it was just Where I grew up, like there was always cattle. You would get stuck in the road either by a tractor, a combine, a spud truck, or a herd of something being moved, moved, (laughs) but that was, and then everybody I knew did FFA and I was one of the kids that didn't fucking do FFA and now I garden and do all this shit. It probably would have been handy. So You
1: you should have like just went for that, Sam.
2: No, I didn't. I, and I'm sorry. I was always envious a little bit of the corduroy coat
1: jacket. We'll find you one.
2: Okay. Yeah. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is the FFA. It's just a, it's an umbrella organization to teach future farmers of America.
1: Teach future farmers of America to stick your arm up a cow's ass.
2: I think you have to go to more schooling than just a high school FFA.
1: Do you think he like goes in there and he fills us sound and goes, wah, wah
2: Yeah, wah, probably wah, boop, boop wah. the snoot, the cow snoot, the <laughs> utero snoot.
1: Probably. I'm
2: going to guess. Yeah. Somebody want to send like, us a message?
1: Oh, look at that little, that little nose. Oh, mm-hmm. like pet it. Be like, you're such a good baby utero cow. Well,
2: it's in a gigantic sack. You know, I don't know if you know anything about pregnancy, Jill. But...
1: Okay. If not, we can use ultrasound machines on humans, why can't we just do it on a cow?
2: Um, I think the cost and also maybe trauma to the animal. I know. I know. I know. But it's the other ways. I think they would I was going to say it's really in and out, but I didn't, I don't want to <laughs> use that as a, so faster, it's a faster, it's literally water? like under a minute. It's like, well, then ma- you probably wouldn't make a great, you can't be like... you're probably not going to make a great vet or you're going to have to get a longer glove and maybe some coveralls.
1: Do you get like those little clamper things and you just stick that in yeah. and be like, I hit something.
2: No, they just go all the way in and then they turn their head. So imagine my headphone was a cow's tail. You go. In and then they turn their head out of the way uh. like this, like listening on a wall. Yeah. Well, because Jill, because it, most of the time when a cow is being bred, it's like if it's all documented and like down to when they're in heat and being checked for heat. And then some farmers, depending on the breed, if they're having dairy cows or meat cows, will buy their bull sperm.
1: Oh, I know. Yeah. Because my husband, his dad, was a horse trainer.
2: There you go. See?
1: Oh, I know all about that.
2: After we get done recording, I need you to go pull Ethan to the side and go, my whole life was just shattered
1: <laughs> by Sam. No, and then he'll be like,
2: why didn't you know that? Why would, I why would you know that? Why? But anyways, long story uh, long, my brother's face, the city boy who had never seen somebody be uh, elbow deep in an animal, was mortified mortified and he had to sit out there the whole time and writing those numbers down writing numbers <laughs> yeah i think it was probably penance for us being from the city
1: probably i mean that's yeah. they were trying to shock you all like <laughs> watch this mm-hmm. yeah i hope um my cousin is a listener and
2: i just have to say thanks for that for my brother <laughs> but yeah that's the ffa we talked about some other western originated things with her yeah
1: no more hands I'm down. just trying
2: to get you out of cow uterus I don't checking. think I can. I'm just trying to Leave segue that. you out of
1: that. I'm just like, but no, so another thing. So I, again, being a city girl, I did not know anything about the rodeo. I knew about Rodeo. Yes. So when I moved to Idaho, I didn't know much about it until I met my husband. And we have these – we have them – pretty fairly common through the summer rodeos here. And yeah. I didn't really go to one until I met him.
2: We have uh, the oldest rodeo in the state in Idaho Falls.
1: Yeah. The War Bonnet the Roundup. War Bonnet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I went to the Stampede in Nampa with my husband. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the, so one of the events I did like was the team roping. Yes. And we talked a little about that, but uh, the team roping is basically you have two people on a horses and they are, they essentially have to rope this steer, but they have to do it a certain way. Mm-hmm. So the first one has to, he's called the header. And <laughs> Jill's
2: face just did the like point. eye roll like, come on now this.
1: They're like, I can't, can't be serious right now, guys. <laughs> um, so they have to, to legally do it. They have to rope around the neck. And it goes around one horn, mm-hmm. which that is, like, takes them like, because you always see them like do it. I'm like, Oh, that looks fun. That's hard shit. So once, and then they like tighten their rope up. So they wrap it around their horn and tighten it. And then the guy in the back, what did they call him? I can't remember. The healer. I mean, makes sense. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he, The healer, where is it, ropes the steer in the hind feet after the header does his first. So he's Mm going to do his first, and then the second guy comes and does him, and they both have to tight pull. Mm -hmm. And if the steer doesn't get out, then you're good. But if he comes out in either one, you get penalty or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. The first time I saw it, though, I was like, oh, my God, you're going to pull him in half. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty... uh brutal it's a little brutal yeah and being a city girl i was like those poor steer!" like oh my god and my like my husband and his whole family looked at me like i know they looked at ethan and be like drop her you've got to get rid of her like,
2: <laughs> she can't she can't hang with she the can't
1: handle a roping what like is she gonna be able to handle anything else hmm but I mean it's fun
2: well and it was it was like i didn't it's another thing where you don't realize that it doesn't happen everywhere right like um there's team roping um teams for colleges in the like for like the university of idaho idaho state university and csi there's team roping people that do that oh yeah and
1: i have friends that they were on the rodeo team and i was like that was a thing Mm -hmm. they probably did ffa
2: also It probably did. I'm just going to throw it out there. We had when my parents first got divorced, we were my dad was living at his friend's house in like a fifth wheel until he got his first place. And they had horses and draft horses and all the stuff. They lived out in the middle of nowhere, like in between Blackfoot and American Falls, but in the country.
1: And my dad. You mean more country than Blackfoot and American Falls?
2: Yeah, it's called Pingree. Yeah. It's like Goshen. Like it's just so tiny and out of the way. But my dad had gotten us ropes and a sawhorse with a steer, plastic steer head on it. And my brother would my brother and I would spend our weekends practicing lassoing and roping. I was pretty good.
1: Oh, I believe it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I thought I was a horse whisperer at that age. It's <laughs> traumatic to think back on. But my... So funny thing about like rodeo stuff is there's somebody in my family that um worked as a rodeo announcer. So my first like interactions with the rodeo were like behind the scenes getting ready for the rodeo. and oh, yeah. listening to this person announce. And it was that was really fun. Like the pump and circumstance behind the scenes is interesting to say the least. Yeah, I bet. But yeah, team roping is same with like barrel That's racing. That's a lot of
1: pressure. Like not only like the first guy has to make sure he gets his rope first. Mm-hmm. And then the second guy has to make sure he doesn't fuck up. Well, they've the got to
2: time that second one just so because they're going to lift their, they get the, the head of the cow in and now the cow's going to start to buck, right?
1: Yeah, and they have to give like a 10-second head start to the cow or the steer mm-hmm. before the header can go. And if they break that, then that's a 10-second penalty. Like some of it, I was like, good God, you know what? Back out Out in the wilderness, they don't give anybody a head start.
2: No, they don't.
1: They just go for it.
2: But I bet. I mean, I'd be the first to hire a team roper if I had a cattle ranch.
1: Yeah, and like some cute little dogs, mm-hmm. some healers pork dogs.
2: Yeah, some working pups. Yeah, yeah. Got to have a good farm dog. Anyways, it's
1: just, I would like sit a city find my work dog. Be like, look, he's got bows in his hair. Uh-huh.
2: My um, the same family that I used to go visit, they had cattle dogs only all the time, right? And they were always outside dogs. There's they are guardian dogs. The first dog they got as a house dog was a fucking purebred Great Dane. And I like the first time I went over, they had this great day. And I was like, so you just went straight to inside mini horse for your first domesticated pet? Just straight that
1: to was, it? That was a hard thing for my husband because he had cattle dogs. Mm-hmm. And my, I had a miniature pincher and he stayed inside. And my husband's like, no, he has to be outside. And I'm like, hey, we're in an apartment. <laughs> where is he going to go? Yeah, he's not hurting anything. Like, and he he's... He's tiny, so he's cold. Yeah. Like, you can't put him outside at night. Mm-hmm. No, Murphy Lee would just bundle his feet way down to my feet and just stay there. Just hang out with your tootsies. Yeah.
2: My uh, my old dachshund could have been a cattle dog. He thought he was a badass. Talk You're,
1: about... uh, he, yeah. Uh,
2: my current dog is the worst guard current. dog.
1: He, he, no, he'll just stare.
2: Straight into <laughs> your soul. Send his Say a little prayer that's also every cursed. time he
1: stares at me i just want to apologize like i'm sorry oh and
2: we saw beth's cutie dog too she's a cute oh,
1: dog she has an adorable dog too
2: yeah and that's um i think that concludes our western rodeo portion of the curio corner i <laughs> wanted to yeah. introduce you guys to that screaming hot there
1: welcome to the mothball prophecies
2: the future well, well-
1: We'll tone it down now.
2: Well, we talked about something at like the very end of her episode where, and I don't know if we, I can't remember if we recorded it or not. I haven't listened back all the way yet with my edit, but we, um, we talked about fiesta wear and then I, of course do the thing that I do where I'm like, you know, that's like super bad, right? Well,
1: yeah, because she was asking us what picture she wanted and she had mentioned that she had gotten her grandma's fiesta wear. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I had said, oh, we want a picture of your grandma's fiesta wear. And then like as, like through the whole thing, it was fine. But as soon as we got to that, Sam's like face just lit up. Like, what color is it? Uh-huh. Did you know? That's <laughs> and nice. then her, you just broke her little heart, though, because she was just like,
0: mm-hmm.
2: What? I know how rude. <laughs> then today I get a I got a message from her and she was saying she was taking pictures and whatnot. And she says um, she said something like I'll be safe getting pictures of the Fiestaware. And I was like, son of a bitch, why do I always have to do that? But this so this article that I'm going to read from is from estatesales.org. and it's the complete guide to Fiesta ceramics. We're going to do a brief overview of Fiestaware. If you want to have the nitty gritty pattern identification and all that stuff, um, there are. Dozens, if not hundreds of articles written about fiesta wear because it is highly collectible still to this day. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a household name like Pyrex and Fire King. And the company's tagline is an American icon mm-hmm. is their tagline. Fiesta dinnerware, sometimes called fiesta wear, was made in Homer Laughlin. It's OK. This is the thing. Spell it like you say it. It's Homer Laughlin is the, it's spelled laugh L-I-N, right? But it's right. pronounced Laughlin. Homer Lachlan. No. Yeah, no. Homer Lachlan China Company. It was the solid, so it's solid colored, heavy duty pottery, and it has been manufactured in a wide array of colors. Now, the ho- the Homer Lachlan Company is located in West Virginia, and when Fiesta Ware started, it started as yellow ware, okay? So like ironstone pottery and that really heavy duty right. pottery, But as that started to come out of fashion and people kind of wanted brighter colors in the 30s and 40s, this is where we start to get into the bright in the Depression era. They get into that bright, uplifting color that appealed and to lift people's spirits as they're buying stuff for their home. And everybody has different reasons for collecting vintage Fiesta wear. They either like to collect it because of the different colors. They like to collect it because of the history that goes behind it, or they inherited a set from somebody. But Fiesta started in 1871 when brothers Shakespeare and Homer Lachlan partnered to sell pottery made in factories in their hometown of East Liverpool, Ohio. The Lachlan brothers, they were successful, but in 1876, Shakespeare decided to pursue different interests and the other brother took over it alone and renamed it Homer Lachlan. China Works. In 1897, Homer sold the company to two business partners, William Wells and Louis Aaron. And in the early 1900s, these partners expand by building a factory across the Ohio River in what would eventually become Newell, West Virginia, which is where the factory is to this day. And the population of Newell, West Virginia in one of the videos I watched was like 1,700 people. And 1,000 people work at this factory. At the time of that video that I watched from 2015, 1,000 factory workers commute into this factory every day to work. And they still make Fiesta Ware by hand to this day. So they do a couple different processes. We'll get into that. But it is... It was, when it was built, it was the largest pottery plant in the world with a capacity to produce 300,000 pieces daily. That was back in the 1900s. Wait a minute, 300,000? 300,
1: 300,000.
2: The company continued to flourish, and in 1927, the second generation potter, Frederick Hurton Reed, was hired as the design director for the Homer Lachlan China Company. This was the turning point for the company because Reed was the creator of the Fiesta collection in 1936. The company introduced Fiesta dinnerware to the American public at the Pittsburgh China and Glass show. The collection was so popular that more than a million pieces were produced by the second year of manufacturing. Isn't that
1: thats is so crazy?
2: So the original five Fiesta colors were green, cobalt blue, yellow, red, and ivory. A year after the Fiesta line debuted, the company added the sixth color, turquoise. So this is where we were talking with Beth about that red color or orange color. Right. Because that was when it was still being made with uranium. So part of how the company achieved these bright colors was with uranium in their dye, which they no longer use, obviously. The uranium dyes it give it this color brilliance that doesn't seem to be the case with the newer versions. So it's like when, I, when you're vintage shopping and you're seeing stuff that looks like it's a color that hasn't existed for a long time. That's the reason why. There's always a... And generally, it's probably because it was toxic. So they had to stop adding those colors in one way or another. So there's like the atomic red, for instance, that has that uranium in it. Um, But the red specifically as a color, it just looks radioactive. It's so bright and it's so unique to any other type of pottery wear. Um, Reed's initial design for Fiesta pottery featured art Deco influences in a widening concentric circles that are still an identifying feature of true Fiesta wear. The first line of Fiesta pottery featured 34 different pieces, including pots, pitchers, bowls, plates, candle holders, vases, and trays. So some changes to the original lineup happened quite quickly. Lidded mixing bowls, which came in four sizes, were discontinued just six months after manufacturing. The 12-inch compartment plate was discontinued before Fiesta even added its sixth color, turquoise, so in 1936. Oh, many pieces were slightly changed, including teacups and nesting bowls and ashtrays. So these, all those changes that happen, also add to the value and collectability because there's so many changes that are happening in those first years of Fiesta ware. So the 1930s and 40s is where the shapes start to come into play that we're all familiar with. So you have the coffee cup with the big, you know, ring on the side was made in the 30s. You have tumblers, you have teacups, you have all of that stuff. And then in the 50s, you have newer colors coming into play. Mm -hmm. And that's where, and that's what I think, like, it's one of the things that like Fiesta Ware Pottery is something that I would like to collect, but I would struggle with not wanting to be a completist collector with fiesta wear
1: yeah so my friend sarah she uh has fiesta wear and she i think she has like four or five different colors mm-hmm. and so um and but she's got like um some like she's got a lot of the pieces but they're they're so sturdy too mm-hmm. like they're just really good sturdy plates and but i can understand why they're so expensive now.
2: Right. And hard to find. And so they had that huge rise right all the way up to the 60s. And then in the 70s, the interest dropped significantly and Fiesta Ware was entirely retired in 1972. So vintage Fiesta Ware is defined as any pottery line made between 1936 and 1972. And then there, but of course you're like, well, I've seen it in Sears. I've seen it in Dillard's. I've seen it in all these places. That was because in the eighties, it had a resurgence at Bloomingdale's. Mm-hmm. So representatives for Bloomingdale's approached approached the Omer Laughlin China company. And in 1986, Bloomingdale's released the new line of Fiesta pottery with new shapes, glazes, and colors, which these are. So this is where we get into that modern day Fiesta wear that's still being made. And then this little video I watched showed how they still make it. So they make some, with slip casting where they pour the liquefied ceramic whatever glop into the mold so they dump it out that's how they make those pitchers they have presses for bowls and dishes and different things like that they have plates that come down and like make the shape of the plates right and then they still have people in the factory it's all like a lot of it is still man made and man operated but when you are collecting fiesta wear when it comes to identifying there are several things to consider these include the shape of the piece the glaze color the decoration or pattern on the piece and the fiesta mark with that information you can identify what era that fiesta piece is coming from and the fiesta wear mark is underneath the plate or bowl or whatever on the bottom and it's a stamp right so some marks were used exclusively for old lines some were used post 1986 so, it's going to be like Pyrex and Fire King. You're going to have these different right. mold impressions and stamps and all that stuff on the bottom. And to look into more, I encourage you if you have FiestaWare, go look the rest of that stuff up. I'm not going to read any of it because it's long enough in itself and it shows if it's uppercase, if it's lowercase, if there's this phrase, if there's that phrase. It all goes into what FiestaWare is, how many rings there are, all that stuff. And then of course, there's the reproduction side of Fiestor also because it was so popular and is still being made to this day. That's crazy. That was one of those things where it's like, I still see it in, obviously, I still see it in antique stores and everywhere for like the same price I saw it when I was starting collecting.
1: Well, and that was the thing too. Like I would see it in an antique or a thrift store and I'd be like, mm, that's new. I don't need that. But I didn't know it was, it had dated back that far. Yeah. That's crazy.
2: American made.
1: Sometimes those are Finger the best
2: guns. things. Pew, 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 I know.
1: Pew pew, 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 pew. Anyways,
2: now I have to get Fiesta Ware apparently. <laughs> they make miniature Fiesta Ware like reproductions. I'll get some of those I and know. throw them in my typeset uh, tray. I
1: just, I feel like we should put like a uh, sorry after all of these. Be like, I'm sorry. You're now going to be collecting this. I'd
2: sorry. be interested to know if anybody, if if somebody listening had never heard of Fiesta Ware before. If you've never yeah, heard no. of it, send me a message. Send us a message. Yeah, we want to
1: know. And what is it inquiring minds want to know? They do. But another man-made item that she—I uh, didn't really know it was a thing. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it was a—I don't know what I thought it was. Again, I'm from the city. This, some of this <laughs> stuff, I was just like, what the hell is Well,
2: and it it's—it's cute that it was her honey that wanted to collect. Yeah. This—this this is their collection which together. Which I can kind
1: of see, being from like Canada, yeah. and like mm-hmm. that's been but like wagon wheel furniture, mm-hmm. like so. My in laws had a wagon wheel. I remember them having a wagon wheel, like chandelier in their yeah house.
2: Uh uh-huh. I know. I think <laughs> I know people that have a wagon wheel sofa, like the wagon wheels on
1: either side. See, I have never seen anything else but that, the mm-hmm. chandelier. So I didn't think there was like a real like furniture line, mm-hmm. but there is, and it started back in the nineteen fifties. Oh, that's surprising. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So. And using them, the wagon wheels, of course, they create. And this came off of antiques. Love to Oh,
0: great,
1: great name. So I know it's a great name. So using wagon wheels to create a Western, rustic, or lodge looking furniture went hand in hand with. A country enjoying the great outdoors, camping, and land-buying boom in summer homes in the mountains by the lakes across the country. Wow. Um, Wagon wheels literally carried... So, this is like kind of the background. Wagon wheels literally carried wagon loads of people from the east as they pulled up stakes and put down roots populating the mid and far west United States. First made of steamed hardwoods and then reinforced with thin bands of steel. Later with rubber Wagon wheels have never completely gone out of existence. Wagons are of different shapes and sizes exist and used still in professional racing competitions as well as modern farms going places where modernized vehicles can't go. Much of vintage furniture from the 1950s is inherently more valuable because many pieces used Wagon wheels from the late eighteen hundreds. Whoa. Which I guess that makes sense. But to me, I just I would just assume like they were making these wagon wheels. <laughs> right. Furniture, like. I that's what I assumed. It was new. I know. Like I didn't like it never dawned on me was that you, like, like Oregon oh. Trail wagon wheels. Yeah I know. Um, and in that so in that case it did make it truly part antique and not vintage or vintage inspired. Which makes sense. And um, the difference between um, the antique, vintage, and vintage-inspired wagon furniture. So antique wagon wheel furniture um, has been used, uh, has been made using antique wagon wheel furniture uh, with will traditionally just be wood. Yeah, makes sense. They're fucking heavy, uh, I bet. I, oh god, could you imagine? <laughs> it you be as much as, like, the, um... Appliances. Stove, yeah, the stove and the appliances that Aaron had.
2: I'm going to put them <laughs> side-by-side, wagon wheel furniture and Aaron's appliances.
1: Um, but the wood on the wagon wheel parts of the furniture should show pitting, digs, and scratches, which, I mean, just because it was going over rocks and shit.
2: To denote its use.
1: Yeah. Um, this type of furniture is more fragile, and wood will be drier to the touch and would need, like, re-oiling and buffing constantly. Vintage wagon wheel furniture, um, from the 1950s will have some steel band reinforcement in the wheel. The designer, while rustic, or the designs, while rustic, have more attention to detail and are less chunky looking than antique wagon wheel furniture. And the wood would appear suppler and less battered oh. in appearance because it didn't get used as much. Mm-hmm. And then the Vintage Inspired, obviously, is made today in current manufacturers and is clearly labeled and mark their furniture as new furniture.
2: They're not, there's not a no more wagon
1: wheels in production from the old ye old times? You know, they're just not like they used to make them. <laughs> But yeah, so and then like they make them into benches and sofas and chairs and tables and light fixtures, garden trellises and decorative objects and fencing. I have seen fencing.
2: Oh yeah, my brain just did a backflip. I've seen so much wagon wheel fencing. Yeah, when I was
1: yeah when I worked home health and I'd have to go out to out yonder. Yeah, I remember seeing the and then I'm like, how's that a fence? Like. (laughs) <laughs> Things can still go through the wheels.
2: Yeah, if, it, if you, anything can be offense if you try hard enough. I mean, really? Yeah, and that's the thing is it's so normal to me that I didn't even think of it. It's like <laughs> a different aesthetic. Oh dear,
1: I know you're just like, oh yeah, that's that's everyday, and I'm just like, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> that's not offense. Oh shit.
2: I saw we were in Bear Lake County, which is definitely there has to be wagon wheel fences there, but somebody had a fence made out of old doors. Oh. Yeah. It didn't look real
1: sturdy, but it was cute. <laughs> they were just doing it for the aesthetic.
2: Yes. Door number one? Nope. Door number three? Nope. Which one's the gate? <laughs> Keep going. <laughs>
1: But yeah, I thought that was, I don't know. I think it's funny.
2: I think it's interesting. Like, I just think that I say it a lot like that. The
1: 50s were wild. Well, and like, it was like anything went. Yeah. Like, they looked at anything. But like, I bet we can make a chair out of that. <laughs> hey, Steve, what are you gonna do with all
2: these fucking wagon wheels? Hey, do you have an idea? Yeah. Here, hold my beer and watch this. <laughs> I got a couch. I got some this. Anyways, I would like a couch, a wagon wheel chair would look great in the basement if it would fit yeah i think they're bulky pieces i don't know if you could get it down your stairs i don't think so my stairs are stupid (laughs) I know, (laughs) and i can't take that wall out so my stairs you come down it's like a t you can go left or right and so trying (laughs) to fit a piece of furniture down here is a nightmare
1: like you'd have to go through your garage and like angle down
2: yeah it's really fun to move furniture into
1: my basement everybody
2: loves it everybody has so much fun so much fun. I mean, who
1: wouldn't have fun My going husband. down your danger stairwell?
2: <laughs> I know. That's why I got to rip the carpet off so you can see the steps cuz they carpeted the basement and the landing. Anyways, <laughs> it's for it's been a long week here. But that's what we had this week for Beth's karyo corner. Learned a lot this week and We did. Oh.
1: It was so fun.
2: It was really it was so wonderful to sit down and she was actually a listener suggested guest to
1: us. Yeah. So that was fun.
2: We always love those. If you think you know somebody that would make an excellent guest to us on the show, please send it to us at the Mothball Prophecies Original on Instagram. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening to us. We really appreciate it. To see everything we talked about in this week's episode, as always, it's posted on the Mothball Prophecies Original Instagram account as well as themothballprophecies.com. And if you haven't been to themothballprophecies.com lately, all of our merch is now located on the Mothball Prophecies website. We have lots of really great stuff with new stuff coming this summer. We have a collaboration with a former guest that we're so excited to release for the summertime. We're going to have swimsuits. We're going to have crop tops. We're going to have different mugs, all sorts of stuff. The new leather key fobs are being sent out this week to Patreon members only, and those will be listed for sale on the website shortly. Also, for you to purchase, handmade by me and Jill and Miss Melissa Daw at Melco Leather. We would like to take this time to think our loyal patrons we have a lot of fun with you guys over there at the patreon we have a lot of fun stuff coming this summer for you guys since we'll be able to get out and about and travel a little bit hopefully go check out some different places to become a member of our patreon be sure to visit the link tree in our bio on Instagram it has all the tiers listed out there we have something for everybody and we are changing the way we're doing the top two tiers the $25 and $35 tier when you join that tier you get to pick what fabric your tote is going to be made out of so every time you join you'll have a little video chat with me and Jill if she's here and we will pick your fabric for your bag and send it over to spellcheck it's all handmade in house We would first like to start by thanking Emily in Nevada,
1: Aaron in Wisconsin, RJ in Florida, Crystal in Nevada, Gina in South Carolina, Julia in Sweden, Jasmine in Kentucky, Kyla in Indiana, Shanna, Mandy, and Riley in California, Aaron, TC Lionel, Melissa, Christina, Erica, Becky, and Ashley in Idaho.
2: To join our Patreon, see the link tree in our bio. We want to offer the biggest thank you to our secret keeper and editor, Gray. (laughs) He hears all of the nonsense behind the scenes and edits out and makes us sound wonderful every week for you guys. And to spellcheck for making us look fantastic on paper, we would be just lost in water without both of them. Yes, for sure. And as always, I hope you find some good shit.
1: And I really do hope you remember to look under the tables. Bye! Yeah.